0: Yes, yes, and more yeses. It's the reason for the season. It's springtime in the Rockies, and what does that mean? Catching up with my friend George Eater, owner of Pizza Republica. We're in Landmark <laughs> right now, George. This is a fantastic day.
1: This is a great day. You know why? Major League Baseball and television, fresh meats and cheeses, and the sun's out. <laughs> and you have new menu items. We got new menu items.
0: Okay, today on the show, The Modern Eater Show, we're gonna show you some cooking. We're gonna head over to Chef Mike right now. We're gonna check out some of these new menu items, George. But I gotta say to you, it's gonna be an exciting show because not only are we gonna focus on the food and beverage, we're gonna have some of the local purveyors and partnerships that you have with us. Who's gonna join us today?
1: We're gonna have Danny Keefe from my friend, Danny's Wine Company,
0: which is... It's grapes, uh, the grape juice company. Grape juice group. The grape juice group. And, and then the guys all-
1: from Farmbox Foods. They're bringing some grape mushrooms from down in Sedalia
0: and then introduce this gentleman here, and let's get into cooking some food, because we're going to sit down. This is
1: Chef Mike Lynch. How's it going? He helped develop all these dishes. So we try
2: and keep everything authentically Italian and super flavorful.
0: What are you cooking right now, Mike?
2: Right now, I'm making our bucatini di mari. So I was sweating some garlic, shallots, chili flake, and a little bit of butter, deglazing with some white wine. And then we cook it in our tomato saffron broth, everything scratch made in house. Woo! Oh yeah.
0: So when you talk new menu items, George, why, first of all, going in the spring, a lot of times that's very normal, season changes, seasonality on the menu. But when you do a menu change, does that mean something wasn't working and you need to do something? Or what's the mindset kind of coming out of uh, COVID and things loosening back up? You had a really, Uh, Great thoughts about why you were changing up the menu a little bit. We're (laughs) bored.
1: So it it basically boiled down to spring is always fresh and new beginnings and coming out of COVID, you know, we had such huge supply chain issues that we had to skinny the menu back and take things off and kind of reduce the creativity, which that's not what makes us tick, right? We want to be creative. We want to try new stuff and we want to you know, have some fun, more intricate dishes. So as things are starting to open back up, starting to get vaccines out there, weather's getting warmer, people are getting happier. We're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. I thought at first, this is a great time to really start to open up, you know, our culinary cookbooks and bring some fun new stuff. So that's why we added these seven new items to the menu.
0: So when people think of Pizza Republica, they think of what, pizza, right? Pizza's not going anywhere. That's all the mainstays are gonna be here on your menu, right? What are you adding?
1: We're adding crab cakes, which are just crazy delicious. Grilled octopus, bucatini di mare, spinach and sage gnocchi, spring and mint ravioli, roasted Tuscan mushroom salad that's just phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And then of course we have all of our pizzas and normal things that we have on the menu that are staples. Like you can't get rid of rigatoni bolognese. That was kind of your first dish with us. Mm -hmm. And that's never going away. Yeah,
0: you can't make that go away. So Chef Mike, when George comes to you and says, okay, ch ch to come." <laughs> do you get excited? Do you get a little nervous with it? Where do you begin when you start talking about changes on the menu?
2: Um, it's a little bit of everything. I usually start with seasonality, coming into which seasons we're coming into, which produce is going to be available during that time. Um, and then we try to balance what we do here, you know? So we have a lot of light, fresh vegetables, and um, there's really... It's just kind of trial and error. You know, you sit down, you try some new menu items, you might have an idea of what you're gonna do, and then it might sit down and taste it and have an idea and change it. So, you know, it's just kind of working together as a team and working through the items. So taste, taste it, and taste it again. Taste,
1: taste it, taste it again. So yeah. we started off with one tasting with just kind of Judd and Mike and I, and then we tasted all the man- with all the managers and all the sous chefs in the kitchen, and then we tasted it with all the staff, and on each one of those tastings, we get a little bit of feedback. You know, everybody has a little thing. And as we taste that and we mm-hmm. have a little extra left over and we give it to the guests and we get their feedback and then so you it, refine you, you it, you narrow it, you refine it. And that's where we got to where we're at today.
0: So when you're talking about kind of the food chain being broken and we all know that it was and, and a lack of certain ingredients that you want and vendors kind of being sporadic with their offerings, Right now, when you see it open back up, what kind of things are you looking at that you're able to utilize that you weren't really before last year?
1: A lot of it with volume, you get to, you know, volume fixes a lot of things in the restaurant world, right? So if you, if you can continually make a dish and you make a lot of it, mm-hmm. you want it to be fresh and you don't want to have like, nothing's worse than ordering a case of mushrooms and throwing half of the case sure. away because you didn't sell it. So when COVID started, some supply chain you couldn't get. Some things you just that were based on super fresh and bountiful harvest stuff. Mm-hmm. We just didn't bring in because we know we're not going to sell it. Like, I don't want to sell, you know, frozen buffalo mozzarella. Absolutely. cheese just take right? it off the menu. Take it off the menu. Yeah,
0: that makes perfect sense. Uh, so, I mean, so far so good. You're just commanding this uh, chef, Mike. But it gets busy in here. Can you? get The consistency, the things that you want to do with your dishes especially uh, both of your locations are really interesting because a lot of them are really event oriented, being next to the Comedy Works and right. being next to the downtown convention center. You got to also have items on your menu that you can expedite fairly quickly,
1: right, George? Yes. And it, when we put a dish together, you know, the thought process that we go through is, how, how do we make this executable and fast at the same time? So that's a, a lot of what we're really focusing on is being able to execute these with speed. Look at them. And light, dishes, healthy dishes are actually the easiest to execute.
0: Oh, I love it. When you can cook with fire, cook with fire. That's what I say. Look at that. Just so, and it screams spring to me because it's so colorful, it's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just delicious ingredients. We have the Farm Box guys here with us today. We're gonna learn a little bit about their business in the segments to come here but utilizing those local partnerships to be able to kind of be the, I don't know, the feet on the ground, mm-hmm. so to speak, to bring you the best of the best offerings. Do you like when new purveyors come to you and show you their, I mean, you, you have do. to, right? I yeah. do, you
1: know, it's I like seeing new new stuff. Mike likes seeing new stuff. It, All the time. It, You know, you can get bored in a kitchen really, really quickly. And when you find something that's, you know, game changing to find it. A giant mushroom that just speaks to you when you see it. <laughs> it's true. I've been bringing people back into the back and showing them those mushrooms for, you know, three four weeks now, and just watching people's eyes light up. I didn't know a mushroom could be that big. Yeah, you know?
0: they're they're great. The huge mushrooms. So, Mike, in the kitchen here, are, is there anything? Is there a call to action? Is there anything out there that you're looking for right now that you're trying to find or source? Anything that we can be of help with?
2: Uh, or you got it under control? i mean it's kind of just an ever-changing beast that we're trying to uh figure yeah. out our next step as we go do you serve steaks on the menu
1: we've we've served some steaks we don't have any on this menu because uh-huh. we're starting to see the menus shift to be very vegetarian centric Uh huh. so meat's slowly going away it doesn't go away completely but i'm looking at like a couple other projects so we're doing some like mm-hmm. braised pulled like chuck roast and those kind of things in the healthier meal prep category. So we're starting to look at a a couple options on that. We've had steak on the menu in the past and really that mushroom salad is going on
2: a full steak presentation.
0: All right, Mike, give us a play-by-play. What are you up to, chef?
2: All right, I'm about to plate our spinach and basil gnocchi. Uh, we did some charred tomatoes with a little bit of shallots oh. and garlic. The tomatoes are baby heirloom tomatoes. I'm gonna sneak behind you real fast and grab this balsamic. This is
1: basically a warm caprese for summer.
2: And we do make the mozzarella from scratch that we use for it. It's our house-made mots that we put on our pizzas. This is some balsamic glaze and we'll finish it with a mm. basil flower.
0: You can hear me oohing and on over here.
2: What's that?
0: At the Landmark Pizza Republica, catching up with Chef Mike and George Eater right now. Um, This is really what it's all about. As things, regulations start to loosen a little bit, we've got some great conversations. In segments ahead, we're gonna go, where are all of the restaurant workers right now? Get back to work, it's time to go. How are things here, George? What kind of capacity you're at in the restaurant?
1: I think we're at, 75 percent but it still has a six foot distancing rule apply so we're really at 35 <laughs> percent exactly so right you know, if we uh, i'm going to keep the six foot distancing until they tell us we don't need it anymore but it's starting to open up outside and we're, we're getting more and more seating and more and more guests with that you know we're colorado people love to be comfortable and sit outdoors
0: as Chef Mike uh, wraps this up here and we're plating these dishes. Go ahead, Chef. What do you got? What are you up to right now?
2: Um, this is our new bro- or, uh, octopus appetizer. So we have some charred broccoli, some cannellini beans, a little bit of red onion, a little cherry tomato as well. And then we have our confit octopus.
0: I am not mad at you.
2: feed and then grilled. And then I'll hit it with a little fresh lemon zest for a little extra pop.
0: Can we try this octopus right here, George? Yeah, for sure. Let's try this right here because I, wanna, I don't want to sit down. I, 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 we've talked about octopus a lot of times. I'm, I'm
1: getting you a fork.
0: What's the pros and cons about octopus,
3: George?
1: Pros and cons are either getting it where it's cooked or not cooked. So a lot of pro- octopus comes in where it's already cooked. We want to control that process so we get this in raw. Mike confies it so he cooks it really low heat in a garlic oil to almost poach that octopus. This way it's not cooked all the way through and when we go to grill it, it doesn't get rubbery.
0: There's zero fat content, right?
1: Not a lot of fat in octopus, no. So you need to replace that with different oils and whatnot.
2: Right. Let me get you a fork and a knife.
0: This octopus I'm looking to try. Go ahead, chef. Take it over. What yeah. are you up to now?
2: Get after it. Uh, this is our bucatini di mari. So we are cross-utilizing our octopus in this entree as well. It's a tomato saffron broth with a little bit of clam stock, some fresh herbs. Get yourself some of that some garlic, with fennel, it. carrots. Take a big old slice. Really light and refreshing. We got a couple Christinis of our house-made ciabatta bread. I'm gonna shave over the top some fresh botarga, which course. is some cured fish roe. And that'll give it kind of like that salty kind of flavor, like a Parmesan would. Have you had botarga before?
0: These are exciting dishes. I have not. Can you please explain what that is, George?
2: Botarga is cured
1: mullet fish roe from Sardinia. What? So, Mike, let me see that botarga over here for Greggy. Sure. With the shaver,
0: it's the shaver. I wish I need my uh, phone to be able to take. So pictures. these are the
1: egg sacs. egg sacs of the mullet fish, essentially what caviar is. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is a delicacy. Wait, where's
0: the egg sac? This whole This whole thing whole is thing. the egg
1: sac. This is all fish eggs that have been cured. Okay. And then you take this. What in
0: the world does that taste like?
1: Give me your hand. <laughs> So in Sardinia and Sicily, this is a delicacy. So you just put that over pasta with some oil and just eat it just like that.
0: Now you don't want me to eat it just like that. Eat it, just like that, eat it. Are you sure? It's
1: delicious. No foolies. No foolies. All right, here we go. Like this this is essentially like gold in Sardinia.
0: So it's got a kind of a lemony and a salty, mm-hmm. very pleasant taste to it.
1: Yeah, a little briny, yep. a little seafoody. Yeah, yep. Okay, all rolls together. Batarga is a really interesting thing, and it, this, you go to any diehard Italian, batarga is like this. This little piece is like sixty bucks. It's expensive.
0: Wow, and you do shavings of that?
1: Oh yeah, it's like truffles.
0: Okay, this. This is what I want to try. Now, George, you know I'm hit and miss with octopus. But I like anything that's done right. So I'm going to give you my fair. So i got to approach this right, right? Get the chef's bite. (laughs) A plus. It's got that mouthfeel that you want. It is not rubbery. That's a delicious bite. Wow, well done. Chef, Chef Mike, hats off. Appreciate it. And I can imagine, around this plate, it's just as savory and delicious.
1: pie. I can't.
0: I die. That's delicious. Okay, we're gonna bring these dishes out. We're gonna take a break. Batarga,
1: Batarga over the top.
0: Jay, my mouth is full. We're gonna take a break, we're gonna come right back. What I wanna do is while we walk out here and go into break, I wanna show you the outside of Pizza Republic uh, so you can kind of get an idea of what's going on. Open for business, what are the hours of operation, George?
1: Hours of operation right now are kind of a flexible thing (laughs) as we're coming out of this crazy COVID time. Right now, 11 to two and then we shut down from two to four, reopen. Four to nine during the week and four to ten on the weekend. But come May, we'll start to open up throughout the day again.
0: Two sessions, basically, what you're saying lunch and dinner. Yep. Right?
1: Kind of old school New York layout.
0: Patio's cool. I'm telling you, at Landmark, do yourself a favor. Things are opening back up. Patio's cool. Let's take a walk out if you don't mind. We'll take a stop by, show the mushrooms real quick, and then we'll show the outdoors, and then we'll take a break and we'll come back. And we've got a pair of sweet
1: wines. Oh, wine is coming.
0: So, these mushrooms are the talk.
1: These mushrooms are the talk.
0: Take a look at these babies.
1: Like these are the craziest mushrooms ever. They're spe- these mushrooms are spectacular. So these are blue oyster mushrooms. I'll have
0: this for you sir. Blue oyster mushrooms, and again, these are hydroponically grown, right? And
1: these Look, are a little small, but these are king oysters.
0: Put your microphone up to your face.
1: These are king oysters from my buddies at Farm Box Foods, and these things actually eat like a steak. They, they are, are spectacular.
0: They are a king
1: Not women. a tiny mushroom. Look at that. (laughs) Beautiful
0: mushrooms, and that's what you want. You have a mushroom pizza too, don't you, George? Yeah,
1: we use these on the mushroom pizza as well.
0: All right, let's sneak back out of here. I want to show you the patio before we break off. This is what it's all about as we are getting back into it and restaurants are getting going. Um perfectly new spring item on the menu. This is the Pizza Republica in landmark. You also know the downtown Pizza Republica as well. So when you look through the dining room here. Anything that has a red tablecloth on it means that it is not seatable. Uh, The tables that don't have tablecloths are where you can sit. Again, this is between lunch and dinner, and George is bringing our plates of food out. We're gonna go check out outside here real quick. If we could, George, I wanna show show this outside dining, and then we'll break away and come right back. You just hold that up to your mouth there, George. Look at this bar, it's so great to see people at the bar. All right, look at this bad boy. Tell us what we're seeing.
1: So this is our outside patio area. We're gonna have this tent up until the end of April. And then right there on the corner, we're gonna be adding a, a giant outside bar about a shipping container. And we're converting it to a, super fun bar that's going to be on the corner
0: now how fun is that going to be
1: yeah it's going to be a blast
0: all right it's the reason for the season springtime its menu changes it's opening up a bit and it's going to be patios and you can't think of a better patio than this one right here with my friend george eater at pizza republica in the landmark we're going to take a break and we're going to come right back and it's the grape juice group grape juice group that's going to be next right here at pizza republica in landmark the modern eater show continues
4: Hey guys, Alex Armatas over at Sam's number 3 Glendale. You want a Bloody Mary? You want a cheeseburger? You want a breakfast burrito? Greek salad? Bacon gyro meat? Chicken souvlaki? Barbecue ranch salad? We got you covered. Come down and see us. One more time. Try it again. Hey guys, Alex Armitas over here at Sam's number 3 Glendale. Now get your ass to themoderneater.com. Thank you so much.
2: Modern Eater, we love you guys. This is Amber with Northern Colorado Potatoes, reminding everyone that potatoes grown here are truly rooted in love and rooted in a long history of being grown in this area. Early 1900s reports show that this was either the largest or one of the largest potato producing areas in the nation. Other states have had some amazing branding, but don't forget, we have all your favorite varieties and more you love to cook and eat, including russets. Support local potatoes, you won't be disappointed.
5: Hey guys, it's Caroline Glover. I'm the chef owner of Annette out at Stanley Marketplace. Citrus is about to be in its prime. And you're watching
0: the Modern Eater Show. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Right now, let me tell you about Jeff Rourke and A-Plus Beverage Solutions. He's the man with the plan. When it comes to tap installations and tap maintenance, Jeff Rourke is the most trusted man in the business. Twenty-plus years, family-owned and operated, does great work, and you might be knocking the rust off of your bar or restaurant and getting things tuned back up. He's the guy to call. If you're pouring inefficient beer, Jay, what are you doing? You're pouring your money down the drain. Uh, Money. Don't do that. Uh, Foam is money. Get a hold of Jeff Rourke. A Plus Beverage Solutions. Tell him what you need done. He'd be happy to come out and just take a look for you. Here's the phone number to give him a call: 720-272-3809. One more time: seven two zero two seven two thirty eight zero nine. It's Jeff Rorke in A Plus Beverage Solutions. Okay, Okay. back at it from Pizza Republica in Landmark. The Modern Eater Show continues. We're about to release the Kraken. We have a bunch of hungry guys ready to go. This is is the new items on the menu, George. It looks fantastic. Chef Mike did a great job.
1: Chef Mike crushed it.
0: All right, not Tracy, but Danny, how are you?
1: I'm doing great,
6: I'm doing Good to I'm see you, great. the
0: grape juice group. We're gonna talk wine here in just a second, and of course, my friend, James Doxon, Chef James Doxon here with us, too. All right, everybody jump in, let's grab some delicious food, and uh, I gotta go right to the ravioli, because this looks fantastic. I'm gonna grab one of these. What are you gonna
4: grab, James? Mm, I'm gonna grab a little of everything, I think. I think you should. It looks amazing. I'm look at all, the all these same? springtime flavors and colors. So, George, you do tastings fairly often as well, too,
0: right? You bring in influencers to talk about the food and those types of we
4: things? Do. You know, we do. Start, we
1: start with our, with our staff, and you know, they, they have the, the best things to say, and then, then we try it out with all of our guests, and then we try it out with our friends and vendors, and then I'll invite some Instagram people in and we'll taste with that, because to me, the more feedback you can get, there's always a little tweak you can I make agree. here, a little tweak you can make there.
0: For me at the Modern Eater Show, it's all about community. It's all about local businesses doing business with other local businesses. We have the guys in the next segment from the Farm Box who are going to talk about some delicious products that they give you guys here. Best
1: mushrooms I've ever seen. These
0: are pretty cool. So we'll be doing that
6: as well. This crab is amazing. A little bit of food. man. What do you got there? I have a little of everything. I had the Tent. crab cake. It was like having happiness in my mouth.
0: <laughs> <It is. laughs> Speaking of that, Danny, let's sit down and we'll have yeah. a little bit of wine. First of all, talk about the grape juice group.
6: Well, grape juice group, we are a Denver Colorado based national importer and we work with um, European wineries. So we are, our, our wines are available all over the United States in, 50 st- in all 50 states and um, we just love wine and we love people so we, we try to bring hidden discoveries and fun things to people that normally they wouldn't have access to.
0: When you work with a guy like George Eater, who's very particular, he knows his tastes, he knows what he wants, and he knows his restaurants. George, you've said time and time again, I carry all Italian wines.
1: 100% Italian. Yeah. And they're, they're spectacular. And to this day, the best Italian wine find I've had has been from Danny. Oh, thank you, George. Yep.
0: Explain. This is the wine oh, you turned me on to, right?
1: The Daniele Conterno Barbera. I think when I, when I brought, met you. when we first met, we brought Bolognese and I brought Conterno's Barbera. Yep. Because to me for the bang for the buck is what you're looking for in mm-hmm. wine. Like who can make the best wine that drinks like a hundred dollar bottle for 20?
0: I'm glad you said that. What does a hundred dollar bottle of wine drink like?
1: like heaven, This is what <laughs> normally, and, and but this, he brought me a $20 bottle to drink that way.
0: I want to ask you about this, Danny, and I do this to anybody who's a wine aficionado, and if I wasn't terrified of Bobby Stuckey, I'd ask him the same question. <laughs> I love Bobby. Is wine subjective as far as pricing goes? Now, I, I know that there's a lot of things to have to do with, well, the... The climate was wonderful that year and this side of the slope had this much exposure and the, we had
6: <coughs> plentiful water or it, it, how do you explain wine and the price variance? That's a great question. Um, you know, wine and quality as it relates to price is something that drives almost any importer Absolutely. Uh, in, their, in their business model. So we say, all right, you know, t- you take a wine like Pinot Grigio okay. that there's plenty of so and and you're presented with with dozens and dozens of them so how does this wine react to the price and the quality and so really it it sounds simple but it's really hard to do because wine is made in almost every region in the world and you look at italy and it's almost every corner there's a vineyard and um so how do i find that wine that is phenomenal that is so underpriced for what it is priced sometimes really gets out of control when a, when, when, when a wine uh, becomes incredibly popular mm-hmm. because they can't just increase production by 10 times if they're gonna keep the, the authenticity of mm-hmm. it. So what drives the price up? Scarcity, popularity, and uh that wine gets more and more and more expensive like if we were sitting here in 19. does it start out at
0: one price and then work it's oh absolutely so it's like water finding
6: its own level then right absolutely we were if we were all sitting here in 1987 and we were opening a bottle of sasakaya george what do you think we'd pay for that like 40 dollars? 40 bucks yeah now 400 yeah exactly (laughs) exactly so it's supply it's
0: demand it's how it drinks and then it's the story behind it as well so I, i get beer I get spirits, and spirits a little bit more complicated, how you barrel-age things, and you can tell the story about the ingredients and certain nuances that are done during the um, aging process, and, I, and the price point seems to be fairly consistent with that, until you start getting into collector's items yeah. and that kind of thing. Wine to me, and, and again, one of the best explanations that I've ever had as far as wine goes, but at the end of the day, it has to be really good.
6: What makes a really good wine? Uh, I think honesty. You know, there's a lot that you can do with a wine. Sometimes wines get to be like Dr. Pepper. You have no idea what's in I remember growing up as a kid saying, oh, if we had all these ingredients, we could make a Dr. Pepper ourselves, and you can't, you can't recognize any of them, right? I like wines that are honest, that, that don't have food coloring. Um, wine should never look like Barney Purple. Nope. Barney the Dinosaur Purple, it should never look like, that. it doesn't exist in the world. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of wines that are that purple, right? Sure. That's, that's, that's not real, yeah. that's chemistry. And that's okay. I mean, I don't, I don't knock anybody for liking a Dr. Pepper. It's good stuff. But knowing what goes into that is important. I like honest wines. I like wines that are made um, and, that are, and they're different to every single vintage because every vintage gives you something different, right? So I like wines that are true to their vintage, that are honest, that don't have a whole lot in them other than grapes. Straightforward ingredients. Straightforward yeah, ingredients. love it. Okay. And, that's, and that, to me, is where my passion lies. I love it, okay. So we can't talk wine without having wine,
0: right? You brought some wine, so obviously yeah. you're passionate about. You mind just <coughs> taking us on a little educational
6: tour right here? Yeah, I mean, George was talking about the Daniele Conterno Barbera, which I don't have here, but he has over there. Um, I love that. Famous family, young guy, making great, honest wines. The wines that we brought here today, though, are um, Poggio del Moro. So, Poggio del Moro is like one of my favorite new discoveries. The, uh, Tatiana is the owner and, and the winemaker, the head of wine. She is this amazing woman that is, is, is making wine in a very male dominated region in Italy for winemaking. And she is just slaying dragons. She's funny, she's fun, she's passionate. She's making natural wines, and she's making it in an area called Terme. Okay. And that's kind of like the Sedona uh, of, of Tuscany. Perfect, okay. Very spiritual area, these beautiful like like um, streams that are going through that are with s- sulfur water. Mm. And it, the mud in the bottom, since the days of Romans, they've been sticking their feet in there, and they have those, this gray mud, and you cover your whole body with it, and then you feel like a n- different person after that. And she's making wine in that region. There's not a lot of producers in Kianchano Terme. So she makes this wine. This is really cool. This is like all the rage. This is called Petnat. This is Petnat, And this is awesome because this is like, say you had, haha, <laughs> Petnat likes to do that. <laughs> say you had your favorite beer in the world, uh-huh. your favorite champagne in the world, uh-huh. and your favorite white wine in the world, and they got together, and this was their love child. Yeah. Okay. And that is Petnat. It's all natural fermentation in the yeah, bottle. Yeah, and I see some of that fermentation. And uh, you can see it right there in the bottom yeah. here. Beautiful, uh, wonderful expression of supernatural wine. Now try it, and if my description yeah. was wrong, school me, tell me it was wrong. Cheers. These,
1: these are on my spring wine menu.
6: Yeah. Man. This is the coolest thing you're going to taste this year. These are hot right now. They're super hot. Like, we tell people we have a, a great natural pet nat, and um, literally in the United States, our entire allocation for the country is 168 cases. That's nothing. Most wines are 20,000, 30,000 cases. That's a party. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So much flavor in a glass. Uh, right.
0: That's a, that's like if Sunday was fermented. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what it would taste like. Am I wrong? not. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty good. It's story time with Danny Keefe, and I really, really enjoy this. Uh, just taking a walk through wine, and, and really, when, when it comes to wine, that's what you're experiencing, and those are the people that I want to be about when drink, be around when drinking wines is, let's talk about the story of the wine, the people behind it, the makers, the purveyors, the land, the terroir, all of the things that come to play when having a delicious wine. Super yeah, fun! Cheers. cheers to this. Tell us another story. That's what I'll, we love. I'll like, tell you
6: another story. So her her white wines. So she has a couple different. You you see this one, Poggio del Moro, the Rosso, and well, the what's the Chianti? price point of this? Just to ask. Here it's going to be
1: the Pet Knot's probably fifty bucks. Fifty bucks a
6: bottle.
0: Yeah.
1: In retail, it's probably
6: what twenty five. No, it'll be about 30, 35 retail. 30, 35 retail. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
4: And um, so what's, what's a good great deal is, here? Yeah. yeah. What, what do you think, Chef? On the, the wine? Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. I love it. I'm a huge fan of sparkling wine, basically anything with bubbles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how am I uh, gonna feel the next day with this? You're gonna feel great. It's
6: low alcohol okay. and it's natural. Got it. So there's there's like nothing that. artificial in there. So many times people say, Oh, I love wine, but it gives me a headache. Yeah. And I say two things. Well, one, don't drink four bottles. That'll give <laughs> you a headache. <laughs> two, drink a lot of water while you're doing it. Uh-huh. Or three What's in your wine? Yeah. Maybe there's some crazy chemicals you're sulfides. having a reaction yeah. to,
4: right? Yeah. I like that. It's not, you know, it doesn't have all those, uh, excess sugars, you know, it's, it's naturally fermented. I love it. Isn't that fun? Love it. Story time, Danny. Let's D- go. Yeah, Dan, so Danny she, and
1: I have done a lot of fun, fun stuff <laughs> since can, COVID started. Yeah. Yeah, we have, we've had, uh, some COVID wine days Okay. Oh, yeah. and open up some spectacular bodies, bottles of wine, just to alleviate some of the stress of what's been going on in the world. We've been having so and, much fun. Yeah, we've had some, I we've wasn't had invited. And Danny's been like a, a wine mentor and a great friend through all of this. And I want to, you know, cheers to you for being you know, oh, awesome. I can't cheers with an empty glass. You've got to cheers Cereal. with Cereal. the yeah. evil,
6: eh? Yep. Yeah. Because. Danny, you, you let me cheers oh, with an empty glass, bit, though? we got to redo that. we got to redo oh, that. Oh, no, you there wasn't. You can't was a enjoy a great food without, without great friends wine. Wine. Yeah, cheers. great wine. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Cheers to you, Jim. Totally agree. That's part of life, right there.
1: Fully agree. So the
6: other fun story is: so she has kind of two lines. One her classic line, her Rosso and her Chianti. I mean, she goes through so much to make these. Like this, this, this Rosso is four different varietals, all of them fermented at a different temperature, which is perfect for that varietal, and then blended together at the end. Where is this vineyard? This is in Chianciano Terme in Tuscany, uh, southern Tuscany. Yeah. Uh, Where, Where? What camera are we?
0: Danny wants to go to the vineyard. I can tell already. Let's go to Tuscany.
6: <laughs> Come on. Yep. Keep getting vaccinated. Let's go to Tuscany. That's right. Um, so she has two lines. One is she calls her flower power line, the EVOLE, which is a play on the word love in Italian, EVOLE, And this is a blend. This is awesome. This is, is this a blend. what we're having right here. This is what we're having okay. here. This blend. Is as authentic as you could get. Like she's not trying to just make a varietal that everyone knows about. She wants to make EVOLE. She, I was about to say she wants to make love. Eh, maybe that's inappropriate. She wants to produce love <laughs> in a bottle. It's 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 Grechetto, it's Trebbiano, yeah. and it's Malvasia, and it's such floral happiness right here.
5: Now,
0: gosh, I, I probably even shouldn't go down this road, but demographically. <laughs> Demographically, uh, are there certain wines that you see certain demographics that like, like middle-aged women versus middle-aged men, or young ladies versus young You're men? Sure. Okay, good. You're I sure. I think I said that well to not you say. Did. Okay, how, how would you explain the taste throughout different palates and age groups and genders? That's, that's, that's actually question. pretty yeah, good. That's, that's a great question.
6: Yeah. Evil a really is best for the democrat the the demographic of happy America yeah, <laughs> of happy people yes <laughs> really yeah interesting this is a wine for happy people if you're yeah. angry you're not going to like this wine if you're a happy person you're going to love this wine think about it get your
4: nose. i know see, let me see if i like it i'm, yeah. I'm so, I'm <laughs> yeah. so let angry me see how happy I'll give i am the, I'm I'm the so angry right now. i'll give you
1: the secret to figuring out any wine and the, you only need to worry about one thing i think i know what you're going to say greg what is the best wine in the world the best way, the best wine in the entire world. What is the best wine in the entire world?
0: Well, I figure that's a trick question. Ask James. It, <laughs>
1: anybody can answer this
0: question.
1: the one you like? That's it. The one you love. Yeah. the yeah. one that you like. The one best. that you're drinking right that's now. Like you know, like is, that you love to drink. Wine's so subjective that you don't need to get caught up in all of these different profiles. All you have to worry I, about, do I get you it. Like
0: it for you, right? And but, that's it. Okay, so, but back to the original question that I asked, demographically and gender-wise, are there certain tastes for the palate that they're drawn to? And, I mean, because you think of a rosé. I mean, that's a girl's wine, no?
6: Rosé is one of my no. favorite <laughs> things. Yeah, I love <laughs> rosé. I love rosé. <laughs> I
0: love rosé. I, <laughs> I don't know. Help you know, me out here, guys. Is <laughs> no, there there's, no, anything there's to of, what I'm trying to about. I think what he's study. trying to, yeah. to yeah.
4: And I think what Greg's getting at is, is you know, it's something that I've noticed, and tell me if I'm uh, on the right path, uh, is a lot of it, when when people are searching out to buy a wine, actually buy a wine, a lot of it is label. Yeah. Uh, what does it look like, right? And yeah. and of course, price point has to do with it. But yeah, and and a lot of it is that uh, that stigma or societal norms mm-hmm. that I I would say like, oh, you know, I I like a Chardonnay with a pretty label. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there's generally a demographic associated yeah. with that. Um, How about like a a strong rich red or a super you rich know? red? Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: yeah. I like you know, with a cleaver. Of. I've had people that love both. I've had very mm-hmm. burly gentlemen that love a rosé, uh-huh. and I've had very petite women that want the biggest tannin-gripping Sagrantino you could ever. But buy. do you see
0: how you drew that very um, contrasting parallel to those two yeah. demographics? People so there have are. tastes. I, I, I get it. I get it. Thought it was just an interesting. But you question. know what? Don't it it is a, great you want a You want a fun one, Greg? <laughs> yeah.
1: At Pizza Republica.
0: What's your number there's one? There's
1: been days. Where we have not had one male guest in the building. Mm-hmm.
0: Let wow. me know those days. It yeah, happens, yeah, it happens, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> happens a lot on Thursdays. I'll swing by later. And,
1: and we we have a primarily female clientele, and they really they'll let us know what they like and they don't like. Yeah. And that's kind of where we gear some of the lighter, healthier, fresher yeah. flavors to to our female guests because that's you know they're the decision makers. They're the ones that are saying, "Hey, honey, let's go here. Let's go there."
0: And you do a Frosé
1: machine
6: in this yeah. uh, in the oh. warmer do months, right? a Frosé
1: with a great Aglianico that, that I get from Danny.
6: I'll be here. Yeah. Yep. This Aglianico is from this tiny little village that I stumbled upon by accident and fell in love with this family and I brought it back and George was one of the first person people that I talked to about. It. I'm like, "George, I brought these back from Italy. Let's sit here and drink I it." And we it. had one of our little outside moments and Remember that? I opened up yeah. the what, red, white and the rosé and we're like, and George is like, oh my God, Danny.
1: Then, then we pitched on a rosé machine together. Yeah, they, the, this yes. little we family in Basilicata
6: to, uh-huh. bought George a rosé machine, a rose machine. Yeah. And they're like, George, this is great. We love it. And this is, you know, they sent us pictures of themselves. Like they're so excited about their rosé from this tiny little village in Basilicata is, is being enjoyed by our so many Frosé. people it's air prosecco that's so cool yeah, yeah. Uh, i think we need to have an ongoing
0: segment that's story time with Danny Keith uh, wine i told you, story. you love them i'm down hey cool <laughs>
6: tell us another story another great story is the the giallo i love this wine so this is a little i tatiana will like if she was here so tatiana is really cool tatiana is actually um, russian and moved to tuscany and bought this place and, she, and I'm like, oh, a little hummingbird. And she's like, no, Danny, it's an insect. And I'm like, no, it's, it's a <laughs> hummingbird. She goes, no, it's an insect. And I'm like, okay, fine. It's your wine. You own it. You know it. But it is, I did some, she's right. It's an insect. It looks like a humming, hummingbird. And it does the same thing that hummingbirds do. This is a rosé from San Sangiovese. And when she told me the price, I said, oh, Tatiana, I love it. I'll buy a case for myself, but nobody will buy it. So she's like, okay. We do this. We, we make it so that everyone in America can, can will buy it. And we did it. And this rosé, this is the new 2020 uh, Gallio rosé. It is like, I'm going to have you guys try it. Sangiovese is one of the oldest varietals. There's only, there's the three main varietals of Italy. The most important are Nebbiolo, Sangiovese, and Alianico. right? Yeah, Pretty absolutely. much. Sangiovese actually comes from the word sangue, which is blood, and jove, which was God, right? So blood of God, Sangiovese. Versus in Sicily, the main wine is nero diavolo, blood of the devil. So it kind of difference between mm. Sicilians and, 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 mm-hmm. and mainland Italians. This is made from Sangiovese. Are you calling me the devil? Yeah, yeah. I was like, I was, <laughs> like, I was, <laughs> like, I was like, You, like, you, and, you <laughs> and I are both from, our ancestors <laughs> are both from Sicily. So, yes. you know, yeah, it takes one to know one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, this is a Rosé of Sangiovese. You've got to try this. This is like, Blood um, of the gods. drinking this is a gift you give your body. Blood of the y- gods. You,
0: you mentioned something that I ask a lot of folks to do wine, and they stumble on it. I, and, and maybe there's no answer to it, but I'm going to ask you.
6: What's the difference between a variety and a varietal? A varietal is a specific grape. So in, in, in Italy, um, there are 3,300 varietals. That's those are fighting words, by the way. There could be a lot more. 3,300 varietals. So Sangiovese is a varietal, or Sangiovese, or, you know, Sangiovese is a varietal. Alianico is a varietal. Cabernet Sauvignon is a varietal. Pinot Noir is a varietal. A variety could be, um, up also fighting words, up to interpretation. A variety could be red table wine. Okay. It could be sweet wines. Got it, it could be. It could be imports. It could be domestic. Right. I mean, my interpretation wrong. Yep. that that I believed it to be
0: was a variety was the grapes itself, and the variety, the varietal, would be the part of the the region that it was from. So the variety of grapes would be the varietal of the region. Who knows? I don't know. You know what the first um, word that came to my mouth when I tasted this? Gorgeous.
6: I don't know why. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Tatiana's going to love yep. that. Tatiana is a beautiful Tatiana person. Tatiana is gorgeous. She's gorgeous. She's gorgeous.
0: Yeah. So when when drinking wine, here are some of the other confusing things to where, and, and, and maybe wine doesn't want it to be more approachable. Some people fear wine, right? Going yeah. out to, how what do you order? How do you order it? Just pronouncing some wines can be very confusing. When you approach wines and, <clears throat> hello, how are you, George? Hello. Um, <laughs> What are some just one, two, three steps that you can do to start off to start to acquire some more wine knowledge? Like when I open it up, does it need to breathe? What wine does, what wine doesn't? Why am I swirling it? Do you hold it at the top? Is that going to make your wine warm? What temperature should you drink wines at? What are some of those kind of just beginning points to where you can dive in to make yourself feel a little bit more comfortable?
6: You know, those are great questions. Um, Wine should be fun. Okay. And there are not sometimes, you know, it should not be intimidating, uh, although it can be. I the did. thing about our industry is that um, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of amazing people in our industry, but but when when you're when you dive into it and you start studying, uh, sometimes it, the tendency the is tendencies. to lose yourself in the details. And we should never stop forgetting what George said: is that wine should be what you love. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, wine. Some wines are meant to be aged a long time. This Chianti and this Rosso, this Rosso is on George's menu. It's fresh. It's wonderful. It's 2015. And it's right now in its drinking zone. The whites are 2020. So, you know, uh, wines need oxygen to express themselves. So they're bottled and then they're closed off from the world. So there are wines. We've opened some together during our COVID time. What does oxygenating do to a wine? It wakes it up. Oxidizing? Think about it this way. Think about it this way.
0: And when you say open up, what what does that mean? Open up the flavor, the bouquet?
1: All of the above. So if I locked you in a bottle for 20 years. (laughs) Ooh,
0: that'd stink.
1: You'd need a a (laughs) few minutes to air out. Yes, I would. Let a little, uh, yeah. little air yeah. get to too it. Much, little, get it. Too much, Greg. I get it. A little too much, Greg. We're going to let Greg mellow a little bit yeah. in that glass. We're going to let some of, the, some of Greg out of that yeah. glass. We're going to let him soften a little bit. I, I love and it. show his age. Perfect. By getting a little air to
0: it. See, that's what wine right. needs. Truly. That is so approachable the way that you said that. Yeah. And uh, I, very understandable. And if
1: you want to learn more about wine, there's drinking wine for fun. Yeah. Which is just drinking wine. Yeah. And if you want to expand your knowledge a yeah. little bit, keep the fun yeah. and drink with a little bit of purpose. Can I taste this, yes, this, yes, or this? Yes,
0: yes, yes, yes.
1: When I taste this rosé next to this rosé, uh-huh. that's the best way because then you get to compare. That's for sure. I like this and I yeah. don't like this.
0: Mm-hmm. Can I keep this out on my counter overnight?
6: Uh, Opened? Uh, open? No. What um, will happen to it? Um, so, you know, wine goes kind of like this. So like when you open it, if it, this is a wine that is six years old, all right? So as soon as you open it, um, it's good. But if you give it a minute, it's better. And then it kind of is like, a, it gets to a point where then it's gonna go down. So it's already exposed to oxygen when you open it. Mm-hmm. But if you leave it open overnight, and it's interesting, there are some wines that you can leave open overnight that are really amazing the next day. Mm-hmm. But there's others, maybe not so much. So generally what I will do, if, I'm, if I've opened a bottle of wine and I, and I haven't consumed the whole bottle, I've maybe had a glass or two, I'll put a cork on it and I'll, I'll, I'll just keep it anywhere that is cool and dark, not exposed to daylight, not exposed to heat, not next to a heater. And it's gonna be fine for two or three days. If I want it to be there for a week, then I'll put it in the refrigerator and um, that'll slow down the evolution. But wine has an evolution, it goes up like this and down like this. Now, it's, it's, what's interesting is, generally speaking, uh, I think George and I have talked about this a lot, is that almost any wine, including cham- sparkling wine, champagne, anything, benefits from being in a decanter. More exposure to oxygen. Um, the older a wine gets, it can be, there's no absolutes in wine, but it can be uh, to its detriment. So if a wine, we've opened some during our our COVID days Mm -hmm. that are wines from the 70s and 80s, you open that and it's got about a 15, if it's good, still good, it's maybe got a 15 to 45 minute life and then it starts dying. Wow. It's really incredible. That's what's cool about wine is like, one is there are no absolute rules Mm -hmm. and two is it's fun and three, it's discovery and Mm -hmm. four, just... Go with it.
4: Yeah. I think that is the coolest thing. I right. love, my wife and I love drinking wine, you know, at home and it doesn't really matter what it is. We like, we've discovered we like any kind of wine, right? Uh, as long as we're having fun and enjoying it together. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the most fun to me. You know, I'm a very like curiosity driven sure. person. And I just love, you know, doing taste tests side by side or or, you know, uh, saying oh man this this wine like was was really good uh just slightly chilled where this one was you know you know better you know room temperature and it's always different it's, it's an always, exploration it's always process. different Absolutely. i just think yeah i think yeah. it's so cool that it's that you can like have all of that exploratory you know uh, stuff around it I-, cool. I got one more question for you but i don't want to hog you
0: um, because uh, honestly, you're just a wealth of knowledge that I really oh. enjoy tapping into. I've learned from this guy. Chef, you have a, a, an awesome, amazing palate and you really develop a lot of menus and work with a lot of food. The crossover between tasting and palates and wine and food, uh, th- th- that's what must
4: fascinate you, right? And pairing wines with foods? I think so, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think so. I think it, I think I speak for both, George, and yeah. I, it's, it, it's, it's within the same realm, wine is food. Right? Wine is food. Wine is food. Amen, wine is wine food. Wine is food. Uh, and I think a lot of us say that, and it's it's uh, the same as I would say, you know, liquor or beer is food as well. Sure. Uh, it's all this, but wine is so complex in the way that it's made. Yeah. And I was fortunate enough to work at a winery a long time ago, yeah. making wine. Um, and, uh, you know, very little little expertise or knowledge there. Uh, but it, it's just so interesting, the different aspects that go into it. and and um, every small little detail in winemaking seems to make just the biggest difference in the, in the flavor and it it's goes all over it the does. place, I, you know. We have a walking
0: encyclopedia here with us as I far know. as wine goes. Danny's what what no, would no, be no. the you one want- question that you would want to ask him? We all got one left in us. Get oh yours ready. Oh my goodness. Uh, well, I got, good I got a fun,
1: fun, fun challenge
6: for everybody. Uh, okay. yeah. I like well, let's go him first. I go him, first? So I, go him first? I got a yeah, good so one I too. <laughs> okay, yeah, sorry yeah, to so I <laughs> uh,
4: What do you got?
1: So, the super fun wine challenge, and you'll dig this with your wife. I love it. Find a bottle of wine that you love. Buy six bottles or a case of that wine. Open one bottle a year for the next six years or 12 years. I love and that. And tell me what changed. Okay. You're going to learn so much about how wine goes up, wine goes down. It changes, <coughs> that it grows up, it grows old in a bottle. And I've done this many times with many different wines where I bought a case and I only opened one bottle a year. And it's amazing how different that exact bottle of wine changes over its lifetime.
4: I got to say, Greg, as somebody who cool. drinks a lot of wine, that's a, that's going to be really hard to do. I'm going to want to open. My, <laughs> You're going to want to no, open. I don't know if I'm going to last a year. <laughs> <You're gonna laughs> take discipline. It takes uh, James this discipline. James basically, a write last. yourself
0: a letter. Yeah, address stamp. Right. Put it in the mail <laughs> and then get it a year later. A future self. <laughs> you yeah, put yeah, a little wine <laughs>
1: Cassidy <laughs> belt on yeah. top of it. that uh, you can't open oh, yeah, right,
0: Chastity I'll, give the, I'll <laughs> give the key to you. And uh, George, yeah. you know, Danny Keefe really well. Tee t- t- him up. Get the best out of him. Give him a question. I don't know.
1: Danny's got the best stories. Like I met Danny years and years ago when we were doing nightclubs and lighting and that kind of the world that we grew up in here in Denver. And one of the when he first started getting into wine, his next-door neighbor in Cortona is Francis Maves who wrote under the Tuscan sun. And he brought Francis Maves in and we did her wine launch in the United States. And I was like, oh, have you, have you met Diane? Oh, yes, I met Diane Lane. I know Francis. I know this. <laughs> I and he's like that. the mayor of Cortona. And started hearing all these stories about Danny going through Cortona. And everybody's like, hey, oh, Danny. Oh, Danny. Oh, <laughs> he's like the mayor of Cortona in Italy. And he's got a great house there. And we've been making plans for the better part of a decade to meet over there. We were actually <coughs> going to go, plans last year to go before COVID hit. Mm-hmm. So now we have to wait until the world uh-huh. opens back up again and we're going to get over to get over to Italy and share some time together and meet some friends and meet his friends over there and we have what half a dozen people that We've been promising we were going to come and visit. Oh, for sure. And we just haven't gotten the time. The yet.
0: lore of Danny. Do they call you yeah. Danger Danny or Dangerous no. Danny?
1: Or no. no.
6: Huh? Danger. No. Do good Danny? Come it's, on, there's got to be something in it's there. It's funny. George says that. Some people say that. I, I brought some friends of mine there years ago, and they're like, oh, know, yeah, eh, you know, everyone in Cortona knows Danny. And so for some of my friends uh, went to this tobacco shop and they're like, oh, yeah, we're friends with Danny. And he's like, who's Danny? Who's Danny? And he's like, and the guy's like. Oh, that's Chiara's dad, my daughter. Like, my daughter is truly <laughs> the mayor of Cortona. She knows everybody there. Yeah, oh, it's so Danny's cool. dad, or it's Chiara's dad. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. The thing about, the thing about wine and, and, and friendship and things like that is, like, yeah, this is the honest truth. I, I love people. I love people. I love wine. And that's a good start to almost every single day. Like, George talks about this kind of lightly, but, I mean... George has been my friend through the worst of times and the best of times. And he's the guy that I want to celebrate with. And he's the guy I want to cry on, on his shoulder with. But like during COVID, like there's times I mean, George's restaurant is shut down. And I'm just like, ah, oh, how do I support my friend? And he's like, bring a bottle of wine, <laughs> yeah, i and make a pizza, yeah. you know? And so we sit outside there and we, you know, I, br- yeah. I, I go deep in my cellar and we sit there and we just talk about those life. Those are some
1: of the best days where you're just, we got together and tried to just have a normal day with, like there
4: wasn't yeah. COVID. Yeah, and, and the wine kind of more made you me. feel normal again. Yeah, for about half a yeah, month. yeah. you totally. totally. have a great bottle of wine. That's amazing. Uh, I I guess a question, you know, and and I thought we were going there for a second. Um, is you know, Danny? Do you have and and George? Uh, do you have uh, a way that you quickly, easily describe to people how to best pair uh, wine with food. Oh, um, great question. Yeah, how to best Where do you pair start? wine with food. Yeah. You know, we keep talking about all these, you know, how to, you know, make it easy on people. I have my do you, I have my answers and I and I think we're going to be very similar do compliment on. Do you complement
0: wine with the food or yeah. do, you do the antithesis of the flavor of that wine Contrast, with complementing? Yeah, how do how do you approach food and pairing?
1: I think you can absolutely do both. But when in doubt, one of the things I've learned that's foolproof over the years, is if you pair the wine with the food of that region, yeah. years and years of history, they somehow got it right. Because when, when they're making wine in a region for four or five hundred years, yeah. and the food from that region has yeah. been pretty the same for four or five hundred years, they match up pretty well. <laughs> here, here, i got to put my hand What about up. popcorn?
4: Yeah. I, uh, oh. what do, you, what, do you, what do you pair with popcorn? It Champagne? Depends on I, would, popcorn. I was going to say I would pair this. So yeah. so George <laughs> Sparker right here. What, yeah. I, what I heard with
1: truffle salt or without yes, truffle salt. Yes, exactly. Yeah.
4: <laughs>
0: Some of the indigenous <laughs> ingredients translates mm-hmm. into food and that terroir tra- transcends from uh, wines to food to anything that's being grown in the ground and you're saying if it's from the indigenous from that region yeah. they're probably going to pair well like, together.
1: San Marzano tomatoes? Vesuvius soil? It. Okay. Aglianico? Vesuvius soil, Neapolitan pizza, and Aglianico. You can't
6: go wrong. No, or Fiano.
1: Yeah, Or This is the lane I like Greco to be in right here.
6: Tell me about this wine, then I'll give you my last question for you. This is the Rosso Toscana. It's here at Pizza Republica by the glass. It's Merlot, Cab, Sangiovese, Syrah. So one Italian indigenous grape, and then three ones from three 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 varietals from from France. She takes the Merlot and the Syrah, which are very fruity varietals. She ferments them at the coldest possible temperature, which is 20 degrees Celsius. And that is gonna preserve that beautiful fruit. Mm -hmm. She does a cold soak before that to preserve the integrity of it. Flavor lock. Flavor lock. When she's bringing it in from the vineyard, she's protecting from oxygen, Mm -hmm. which instantly changes the grapes. Full CO2 wash. Full CO2 wash. Wow. Middle of the night, only on a full moon. Crazy, right? And then, uh, or as close to a full moon as possible, because mm-hmm. of the, uh, you know, because of the, because of the timing. Yeah. And then brings it in, and then the Sangiovese and the Cab, which are more tannic varietals, she's doing it at a, at, at a high temperature, about twenty seven degrees Celsius, and then everything goes into the big neutral because she feels that oak should be a tool and not a weapon. I think over oaked wines cover a multitude of sins in quality mm-hmm. of fruit. Concur. So. Neutral oak, mm-hmm. the big ones that they use like in vino uh, Nobile or in, in Piedmont, the big tonneau. And she puts them in there, and then after a year, then they blend. They have a blending party nice. where they taste everything and they blend the wines. Then she sticks it in the bottle for another two years. All of that for a wine that is uh, $40 on the menu. Wow. <laughs> <You know>? That's <laughs> thank so impressive. Thank you impressive. for sharing. It's it. incredible. Segwaying into my
0: last question for you. again. Those of you who watch the Modern Eater Show, this is the best wine segment that we've ever had on here. I want other people to be able to reach out to you. We've got a lot of uh, operators and and, uh, general managers and (coughs) restaurant owners, bar
6: owners, to be able to reach out to Danny Key from the Grape Juice Group. How can people reach out to you? Uh, Danny at grapejuicegroup.com. You can go to my website and um, always happy to talk, always happy to have you come to our office in Cherry Creek. I always have a bottle of wine ready to be opened. Where in Cherry Creek? I live in Cherry Creek. 100 South Madison. I live on uh, First and Adam. Come by, man. Oh my god. Good dude, you can walk to my office. Totally, you mean stumble. I always <laughs> have wine.
1: <there. laughs> You'll stumble
0: <laughs> back, <laughs> not stumble home. stumble home. You'll stumble home. I walk there stumble <laughs> home. Yeah. Maybe yeah. even it's Uber, really who knows. I'll get real bougie. Opening a bottle <laughs> of wine, yeah. really. Easy. Oh my god. I got, I got a new friend here. Last one for you. Consumers are very price driven. When people are going and they're shopping and probably some folks will go, just like you and I, up to the King Zone on Leedsdale and (laughs) see see their wine collection, which isn't half bad. Where do you begin? And then, uh, so two-part question. Where do you begin to, to, you know, so you can be fiscally responsible and you want to start and and kind of dive into maybe a little elevated wine than you're used to? No more box wine. how do you do that, first of all, and then I've got one last, last one for you.
6: You know, I like to find a wine shop. Um, I love uh, the King Super's on Leedsdale. Um, there's a lot of wine shops around the country and around the world that I love. My yeah. favorite wine shop on earth is in my town of Cortona. Okay. okay. It's called Molescini's. It's in Piazza Repubblica. You go in there, Marco Molasini yeah, is standing t- there. walk you through it. Yeah, you walk in and the river, place river is baby. tiny. It's like the yep. size of this, this, this so little nice. area. And he Marco is like, hey, what do you like? Yep. So good. And then you just start go talking. There. And you go from there. Do we have any of that here? We have. Yeah. Where? There's a place in Cherry Creek North called the Vineyard. Vineyard. Yeah. And I love it. Nathan and his team there are awesome. Cliff is the owner there. He's a beautiful human being. And you go there and you say, hey, man, uh, I got a $20 bill. And that's what I want oh, to say. Oh, how cool. And I, He'll take here's you what I love. Will
0: you do that with me?
6: Will you go down there and we'll do a I will do go there segment. with you.
0: That would be fantastic.
6: Yeah, I will go there with you. And you know what, Nathan is one of my buddies. Like on Mondays, a lot of uh, the industry guys, not a lot, a few of our industry guys, We, I take off Mondays, we go on a bike ride. And then sometimes they come to my house, I cook for them, we drink wine. Nathan's one of the guys. I guarantee that he would let us do that we're coming for you Nathan that's it
0: this table we're jumping you down there at Cherry Creek I'm a Cherry Creek native 48 years I've seen that whole place grow that's changed and the change. hot minute huh? it has changed the hot minute last one for you other than Italian wines what would a wine from a different region be that you would pick today oh man uh, so many that I've I been love. getting down on some Argentinian wines
6: I love Argentinian wines it's great you know a lot of argent a lot of argent Argentina. Um, was a lot of Mendoza people are Italian immigrants um, and I like those wines but w- you know if, if it's not Italy what really calls me I love Spain I love Spanish wines uh, especially from like Aragon like old vine Grenache um, I also love French wines um, I you know what's not to love about France Like beautiful people, beautiful food, beautiful wines um, you know Burgundy when you go there. It's like walking on hallowed ground. It's like you feel yeah. every one of your footsteps and you wind up spending uh, every dime you have on a great bottle of wine. But the great thing is like beverage, you can travel the world. Like I went with my wife once to uh, Normandy and we went to a little shop that did Calvados. Mm-hmm. And I spent there, it's a, it's a brandy made from apples. I spent like two hours there like getting, getting freaky with Calvados. So, you know, the world is amazing. And and that's what's great about a great wine shop is you can go there and you can travel the world in a wine shop and just learn. I'm going
0: to travel the world through wine with Danny. I got to cheers you right now. Cheers, my brother. I know you got a hard stop, places to be. Thank Thank you so much, George. What a wonderful segment. Please got set nothing. up our neck. It's not a good thing.
6: You yes, gotta right. have wine
1: in your glass. Uh. Some of the coolest mushrooms and a really a cool story behind what they're doing sustainable agriculture out of a shipping container.
0: We're gonna learn about that next as we continue. It's Pizza Republica in the landmark, and I'll tell you what, I just love this business. It is such a staple to Colorado. Also, we have Pizza Republica downtown. There's some great things that'll be going on there. Uh, All-Star Baseball Weekend. It's more than a weekend. It's a week, right? It's a full week. I know. The Major League
1: Baseball experience at the Convention Center.
0: We'll give you an update on what will come for that. But uh, all's well in the world, and it's the reason for the season. Go out there and support your local restaurants and come to a place like this because you're going to get that full experience (coughs) between food and beverage program. It all comes together for a wonderful experience. Thank you, George Eater. We'll be right back in a flash. The Modern Eater Show continues. Thanks, Danny. Cheers. Thank you, guys.
5: Hey, you guys jay here with the modern eater show thanks for watching don't forget about our youtube and instagram channels a lot of killer content over there throw us a subscribe on youtube throw us a follow on instagram and thank you for supporting tme we couldn't do this without our amazing sponsors so let's check them out
7: right now very proud to be part of the the modern eater and uh, chefs restaurant owners any food service operators you know I know right now that uh delivery and carry out is bigger than ever. And we got you covered. Uh, Cambro uh, has a full line of uh, delivery and carry out items. More economical options are expanded polypropylene, or EPP, uh, nice insulated container. Uh, the ProCard Ultra is really versatile. It's a great unit because you could actually store cold products down here, hot products up here. It's all 120. There's no refrigeration worries. It's all thermodynamics. Just let us know what your food service challenges are, what it is we can do to help you out. And there isn't anything that we can't do for you. So uh, hope to see you over here in our facility in Park Hill soon and uh, stay safe out there
3: you know everybody with several million dollars of hard assets here
2: insurance is very very important to us ewing levitt covers it all machinery building workman's comp ewing levitt's got us covered from the floor to the ceiling from our alley even to the street This divider. This press. My cooling conveyor. My oven. Ow, ow. Ewing-Levitt covers our Counter-Stacker and our employees too.
6: If you need insurance, take it from Little Rich at Rockalitas. Call
2: Ewing-Levitt, they'll get you covered. Hey, this is Keegan from D-Bar in Denver. You guys might find it difficult to stay in touch and stay up to date with the ever-changing culinary scene in Colorado. It's almost impossible. Just tune in to the Modern Eater. These guys have their fingers on the pulse of what's happening in all of the food and beverage in all of Colorado. They're behind us. They understand the idea of shopping local and shopping small. To support them, you support us. right, you guys,
5: back to the show in just a second. I'm here in Colorado Springs with Chef Noah Siebenhaller, and we're here to tell you about bread and specifically Aspen Baking. Aspen Baking Company has been baking the best bread in Colorado since 1994. Chef, I know you use Aspen Baking Company here. What do you use here? Why do you like it? So uh, I use their sourdough,
8: their French-Parisian, their burger rolls, marble rye, and slider rolls. Um, I, I was introduced about three and a half years ago, and I haven't found a better bread in Colorado since. So we use it for, exclusively for everything.
5: I'm telling you what, you guys. Don't take my word for it. Take Chef Noah's. They're making quality product. They don't put in the, 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 the fake colors. They don't put in the chemicals. They don't freeze it. They don't do that stuff. They just bake fresh bread. Aspenbaking.com is where you go to get that bread. And uh, now, back to the show. Back to Pizza Republican
0: Landmark, and this is a great Day as we've got to uh, more community, more food tasting, and then uh, local businesses doing business with other local businesses. George Eater here with myself, Greg Holland back. And it's a wonderful day just meeting all these folks. I really enjoyed Danny Keefe in the last segment. That was fantastic.
1: He's a wealth of knowledge and a very good friend.
0: Now it's time to move on to new friends right here. And I'm really interested in that. As we tour the state of Colorado early and often, we see all kinds of different farmers. And we go from hydroponic to aquaponic to unabastionated soil farmers that... um, Uh, unapologetic about how they farm and really the new model of sustainability is doing some hydroponic farming. Here's a really cool unique idea, it's called Farmbox Foods and Gourmet Mushroom Farm. We got to introduce these folks right now. Jake, good to see you on the Modern Eater Show.
7: Always good to see you.
0: I know, awesome. Uh, We also have a new friend with us, Alex, how are you? I'm good.
8: Introduce yourself if you would. Uh, Yes, I'm Alex Albu, I'm the Mycology Division Director at Farmbox Foods. Um, That's really just a fancy name for uh, kind of the mushrooms in my world, um, so yeah, we build farms and shipping containers, and um, yeah, I, I came up with the design for the mushroom farm. And did you really? Yeah, thoroughly impressed. Cool, Jake, do the same.
7: Well, uh, you know, I used to be with um, Shamrock Foods, and my passion's always been restaurants, cooking you know, ever since I was a child. So, I'm coming from Shamrock. Uh, you know, now transitioning to farm box Foods, I feel like I've got some insight into restaurants and some of their challenges, uh, some of their struggles, and I feel, you know, like our product could really help them out in a number of ways.
0: Okay, okay, yeah. let's uh, let's dig in. George Eater, you do business with these folks, and really, at the end of the day, quality has to trump everything.
7: Best
1: mushrooms I've seen in a long time, Huge and I got to go down there, and Alex and I got to tour around and see how everything's made, which, boom, blew my mind, yeah. totally crazy, and I'm like hold on a second, you can actually grow mushrooms in a shipping container with all this humidity and they come out like these magical, beautiful things. And he's like, oh yeah, that's what we do. They and must like, love
0: the environment.
1: It's super cool.
0: Okay, talk about the environment and
8: the product. Either one of you tee it up. Sure, um, so um, with our farms, they, they have everything that you need to grow the mushrooms from start to finish. So um, there's certain substrates that you need to prepare. Um, For the mushrooms to start growing on then you need a lab to inoculate everything and then you need a space for everything to kind of just sit and grow and then finally you need a space where everything will produce the mushrooms um so each room is kind of different um but the last one
0: container typical container
8: um so yeah 40 foot insulated shipping container um we get them uh until now we've used used ones so they can be you know they can be kind of dented they can be wrecked but it's nice to give them new life Mm -hmm. um really to you know to start producing food for people um but yeah we retrofit them extensively so that's for the hydroponic farms as well we you know we get the container it's bare and then we you know we do our thing and by the time they're done they're this You know completely different facility
0: i love that so self-contained and you're building an ecosystem of sorts within that container talk about that
8: if you would uh yeah sure it's um so for both you know for the hydroponic farm that and the mushroom farm they're very different environments but yeah we put what we need in the farms to keep conditions where they need to be so for temperature for lighting for air exchange um carbon dioxide levels for you know for plants you want it to be higher for mushrooms mm-hmm. you want it to be lower so yeah part of the the farms is very much a high-tech farm so you can control you know everything you need how
0: much of the outside do you want on in the inside and the inside to just stay on the inside do you want any of the outside world um, on the inside of that container
8: you want the fresh air but you don't necessarily want you know the temperature and everything that comes with it do you
0: want a ladybug in there
8: um for your plants <laughs> it can be helpful it yeah for sure yeah. Yeah, yeah
0: and i always say as we as we tour and we see these different types of facilities that Um, some of our friends that we check out these facilities is you can truly grow organic in an environment like this.
8: Yeah, Um, it all comes with hydroponics especially it comes down to what you're putting into the system so you know you need to add nutrients Um, so from there there's organic options there's um, you know it's up to the end user same with the mushrooms it's even easier with mushrooms you don't we don't spray them with anything Um, they just get misted with water so it uh, just comes down to what the inputs are. Why should people be less
0: afraid of technology when it comes to growing? And and wh- where is that trepidation for folks uh, when you get out of the, uh, let's say, conventional farming?
8: Um, I, you know, it could be complicated. It could seem daunting. And um, I think there's, you know, we we may have kind of a hesitation to, you know, farming has a certain, you know, connotation that it's it all... It has a lore been. to it. It
0: really does. Yeah, yeah. but,
8: you know, we're not trying to replace traditional farming. That's never been, you know, it's all you know, there's more and more people, and everybody needs to eat. So, yeah. you know, we see this as a supplement, not as a replacement.
0: But think of the beauty. If everybody had a container, like John <laughs> Lennon would write a song about this, connecting restaurants to a container like this, Jake, I think it's a really special thing. Yep. And that's something that you have the ability to do right now with these uh, very uh, well-outfitted, contained um, environments to where a chef or an owner of a restaurant can really control the type of ingredients that they bring into their establishment.
7: One hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I mean, I. Th- I think it's a really good fit for some of the restaurant groups. Personally, mm-hmm. uh, these things crank out, you know, a ton of product. I mean, the mushroom containers, you know, themselves will do three to four hundred pounds a week. Wow, it's a lot so, of mushrooms. Yeah. And think
0: about it, because chefs and restaurant owners, you want consistency and you want availability and you want to have it when you want it and how you want it, right?
1: Exactly. And one of the things I loved most about <laughs> these is. We get in mushrooms from a, from a field or an indoor farm where it's a dirt substrate sure. and a lot of cleaning, a lot of granular mm-hmm. dirt in the bottom of the box. These come in, I have no problem just taking them and eating them yeah. right off that. The substrate that they're using, the inside of the container yeah. spotless. When I get the product, it's spotless. Uh-huh. It takes so much less time to fabricate these mushrooms. Yeah because I can eat 100% of all of it. Sure. Yeah.
0: And those mushrooms, you can drop and pop, man. Exactly. Right away. Right <laughs> off of there. Yeah, right? Okay, like, so let's talk about capabilities. As far as those containers. you can't no. do
1: this with a field-based mushroom. Grab them and eat That's them. That's wonderful. And the flavor on these is spectacular. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, so. Two
0: part. First of all, let's describe what we have here, and then I want to tee you up for the capabilities of these containers. Go ahead. Jay, do you have a roamer for these? Yeah, Jay's going to throw roamers on these.
8: Go ahead, Alex. Um, should I point or should I just... Uh, yeah. Okay, so that's a lion's mane mushroom. Gorgeous. Um, you see the cool spines. Um, so yeah, this one's a totally different looking mushroom, but I promise you it what is a mushroom. What would you use that for in culinary? Um, so if you do them right, lion's mane can be a good seafood substitute. So something like crab cakes, um, you know, something where you really wanna out, kind of to really emphasize that seafood texture Uh, And then next, we have shiitake, Mm. um, classic. Um, Yeah, they can get nice and big. Um, That one's kind of a kind of thing. We can harvest them smaller, we can harvest them big. I like them big personally. I like to get the texture from them.
0: Side note, uh, they're very pristine as you see these right here. That's eliminating a lot of the number twos that really don't even get to market with a a, a lot of traditional farming as well. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, with the mushrooms... waste, I would imagine, just because aesthetically, these are very pristine.
8: Yeah, and I mean, and, and this isn't you know I didn't go to really great lengths to that's you know you just you, that was it I I just, right <laughs> in front of you <laughs> and you yeah, grabbed it grabbed sure. and put them in a box. <laughs> that's right. But, um, yeah, that's how they look. Those are blue oysters. Um, they're gray, obviously gray, but you know we call them blue oysters. Um, these are your staple um, gourmet mushroom. This is you know what any farm going to be putting out. Mostly they're going to be doing oysters. Um, and you know they're versatile. They're kind of your your classic mushroom. Mm-hmm. Um, there are different uh, versions of this too. We have a, a snow white version as well too. All right, this bad boy. I want to saute that right yeah. in a mm-hmm. second. <laughs> Those are uh, <laughs> they're chestnut they're mushrooms. Yeah. yeah, these are these are kind of the the most different one of the bunch, I suppose. Um, yeah, they've got that. They have a huge cluster. These are really uh, kind of prolific growers too. So they yield really really nice. Um, Yeah, these these have definitely a lot more texture, so um, they'll add a little bit of kind of you know a little bit of liquid to your um to your mix of whatever you're cooking in um i like to do them for pasta why are you shaking um, so bad jay <laughs>
7: <laughs> oh you are here, 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 I'm here, here you a go list. man <laughs> <laughs> right. get, a, get a little drink uh, so he was saying he was saying uh pastas yeah. i've had a lot of luck with with stir fries uh-huh. and the smell is uh un- unbelievable yeah they're fantastic so crazy mm-hmm. i was
4: just thinking coming from a steak guy uh-huh. uh you know a mushroom topper on a steak you grab a big, big and bunch of those and you broil them just oh. super hot and fast really quick in the broiler and, and throw some roasted leek Ooh. butter. On top of that, all, up over the front front door. Door, all over, front door We'll, we'll the wait stair. here. We'll wait here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll get right on it. No, <laughs> I just—they look really cool. I'm, yeah. I'm super interested. We good.
7: don't, we don't have it represented there, I don't think. But king oysters, I yeah. think it's a, it's a personal preference. But king oysters for you know, okay. Is, okay. as long as they last. I mean, I, I can keep them in the fridge. I can get you the king oysters. Yeah. yeah. Now, Jake, yeah, that's what we have. We I just
0: heard some good words there. Now, here's a executive chef. Have that big box of king oysters. Not executive chef, but culinary director for a uh, large restaurant group in Vibe Concepts. He just said, I'm super interested. When you hear that, those are, yeah. should be uh, just ringing through your mind. <laughs> uh, you have a lot of testimonials. First of all, talk about some of the partnerships that are, that are existing, and then where you'd like to get into when, as far as cultivating relationships.
7: So, um, the one I'm really excited about right now, I don't want to talk about too much, but it's Uh-oh, a restaurant group.
0: oh secret. Well, coming. you know, it's, right. it's a
7: restaurant group in in Denver. And uh, they're pretty pretty heavy duty on the vegan and vegetarian options, and I just think that the mushrooms and watercourse, uh, <laughs> not watercourse, but but close, <laughs> yeah, okay. but close. Yes. When's the last time look? At yes. This. This look at this. <laughs> look at how big. Yeah. Woo. That's a steak right there. It is. There you go. Yeah. yeah. You can take these and slice them about a quarter now, inch thick, saute them and these they are These
0: truly, what chefs get horny when they see these. <laughs> oh They're yeah. not the only ones. They That's what it looks like. I mean, look at those bad boys. Those are fantastic. Alex, I mean, haven't yeah. seen I size matter. <laughs> yeah, it's bigger, better, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, and does this uh, just show a conducive environment for growth? I mean, it really does. Pretty That's much. The these, these
8: all grow in the same room. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's all about keeping the conditions, you know, kind of finding that sweet spot to where they'll all like it because they're different species ultimately, but they do all like the same spot. But yeah, kings, you get your bang for your buck. Yeah, <laughs> all right, let's, let's, talk.
4: Sorry. let's talk business, go ahead.
8: Greg, I had a, uh, you know, a big question
4: that you kind of asked really quick, but we didn't get a very mm-hmm. good answer. Uh, and something he that makes chefs are salad thinking salad about all the time mom. is, Spectacular. Is size, how does size affect flavor? in different vegetables in different things you know specifically talking from a mushroom standpoint Mm -hmm. are these how does it how does these growing bigger you talked about shiitake small big these you know smaller big how does that affect the texture and the flavor
8: um with mushrooms it's not um if you let them kind of blow out to where they get too big um, that's to the point where it's more kind of on the production side. So at that point they've dropped all their spores and that becomes more of a problem in the farm. Um, but really beyond that it's not you're gonna have to let them go very much overboard to where you'll see significant issues like with teeth. Right. Is,
4: yeah, is there like styrofoamy kind of texture or like when they get really these get too big or, or are they all pretty
8: pretty close they'll to hold, the same yeah. They'll hold pretty close well close. Okay. Mm. Yeah. 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 I mean I, I suppose if you really let it go overboard, Right, so, say, but you guys aren't, of course. I right. well, mean, yeah. you know, they get big, but you know, yeah. to the point where- We it's see
0: that the, the yield is quality product and that's what you have. And again, this is Farmbox Foods. Uh, look into it, but I love the business angle of everything. And I, I just want you to, uh, Jake, take me down that path to where I'm a potential customer and you want to fact find what my needs are. and. And then i'm gonna ask you a few questions as you go along if you wouldn't mind indulge
7: me no that's that's perfectly fine i mean you know really the sky's the limit with our product you know it could be education systems you know jails grocery stores um college campuses high school any of that would work but my kind of niche and my passion is food and restaurants and that's kind of you know who i like to sit down and talk to Mm -hmm. and you know restaurant groups seem to be a really good fit because they can utilize all the product I know the challenges you know uh, of getting produce from Arizona or you know California out to Colorado and I know you know how much of it goes bad how much of it gets damaged price fluctuations all these things that can happen when you're dealing with mother nature um, and this this addresses all those issues can
0: I buy from an existing container without buying one myself
7: well it's Right, say that one more time.
0: Can I buy from an existing container without having to own one myself? Are there containers I'm, that have produce in them right now that you have
8: as available? So, so the mushrooms, yes. Um, we could also work something out with the uh, leafy greens as well. So in Sedalia,
7: we have a mushroom farm and a, uh, a leafy green farm as okay. well. Okay,
0: can I container share?
7: Yeah, I mean, if you if you buy one of these things, you can do pretty much whatever you want with yeah. them. I might I, have
0: a couple other restaurant buddies with other restaurants that w- want to jump that's, in. On that's that. my angle. I'm just yep. I'm looking from a yep. business mm-hmm. standpoint. Yep. So George has two locations. He might not uh, a full yeah, container.
7: James, but he might and get I in, split in with one. James. One. exactly. Oh, right. Okay. I mean, you think about how much these things sell for. You know, six to ten bucks a pound, depending on the variety, and three to four hundred pounds a week. You know, it's a pretty penny right there.
0: You're not going to be able to do mushrooms with other types of greens and leafy greens and that kind of thing. So would that that be a two-container purchase at that point in time?
7: And and, and it's really nice because the the vertical farms, so the ones that are not the mushroom farms, you can do mixed crops in there. You know, let's say your needs are different depending on the season, the menu, you know, whatever the case may be, you can mix crops in these containers so you can grow, you know, I I think it'd be smart to grow, you know, herbs, microgreens, um, you know, all these things are really expensive. All these things that get damaged really quickly. Um, and you'll have them right outside your you know, front or back door. Um, and I think it'd be very convenient.
0: When I buy a product, support is very uh, yep. important to me after the fact. If I was to purchase a container like this and I'm just a novice farmer, but I'm a chef and I know what I like, is there any support uh, mm-hmm. internally yeah. with your infrastructure that's able to walk people through the phases that they would with a container like this?
8: Yeah, so um, you know, right off, when the farm is delivered we help so we we have a couple of services when One the is, farm is delivered yeah <laughs> that's a good day isn't it like when the farm is delivered good day for everybody absolutely. yeah absolutely so yeah we make sure it's installed and you know we work with people beforehand with architects and everything make sure the site is good to go and then we offer training on site too um uh we also have people that can come down to our farms and train with us beforehand um and then there's a certain you know amount of time where there's support that's included it's part of the cost and then after that we do offer Um, ongoing support on kind of different levels. These things are freaking palatial. I mean, they're just well-appointed. They're
0: palatial. They're something that, I mean, you might want in your life. And as people want to control their own food supply, and I don't think it's a terrible idea. I don't know what this would do to local farming as of yet. I I think it's a wonderful idea. I want to learn more about it. But for folks to learn more about this product, Jake, how would you suggest that they go about doing that?
7: Uh, I would tell them to, you know, check out farmboxfoods.com. Say a tour, Jake. Yeah, and if they're interested, we do (laughs) do tours every Friday, 10 (laughs) a.m., But That's all I found, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but did you do a tour? <laughs> I did. But yeah, did. Alex and I would if 10 a.m. doesn't work for you, uh, just let me know and we'll make something work. You know, I have a feeling they'll show order. it around
0: to you at 10 a.m., 10 p.m., Monday, Friday, Saturday, yep. whenever. We're yep. flexing. They'll accommodate you for sure. It's a really cool yep. idea. What else would you like folks to know? I always give an opportunity for uh, end of a segment to give that elevator speech. 30 to 60 seconds of why you should do business with us and take a look pressures, at your product. Pressure, who, pressure's, pressure's on, man. would you like to do?
7: Um, you know, I say in this day and age when sustainability, you know, organic, Um, local, all these words that everybody's uh, with consistency and very affordable price, this addresses every single one of those. Um, You know, I just met with a, a restaurant group that said they tried growing some of their own and they had to give up for a laundry list of problems and every single one of those problems will be fixed by our product, so. I say go for it.
0: I look at it like solar; it's going to pay for itself.
7: It, it will at some point. It exactly. absolutely will. All
0: right, this has been a great conversation. Uh, anything else you'd like to add to this, Alex?
8: Uh, thanks for having us. Oh my it
0: pleasure. It's great. We're going to actually go down and take you up on that opportunity Please for do. A tour. Please uh, I think people just need to be educated as a consumer. You can decide for yourself.
7: Yeah, That's exciting.
0: What way that you want to go? Uh, but the future is bright and uh, nothing but shades, man. Put them on. You guys are going to do great. Agree Thank with you. For it. Being Thank here you. With us on the show. Okay, George Eater, and, and
1: thank you. Now thank you guys because they're phenomenal mushrooms, and you know they go great. We we brought them in, and we did a mushroom risotto
7: mm.
1: last last year. Now we're bringing them back on our mushroom pizza. This great Tuscan wild mushroom salad featuring these king oysters. They literally eat like a steak. Yeah, they're so spectacular. Yeah. So kudos, guys. When I find a great product, I want to show it off, show and it's it. local yeah. Love and it. it's spectacular. So love mushrooms
0: yeah as a uh, balcony jalapeno farmer i'm going to see if i can get (laughs) one of these containers on my balcony yeah Uh, figure it out (laughs) we'll figure it out we'll
7: do a special design for you
0: thank you we're going to take a break we're going to come right back i'll tell you what there's a topic that we've been kicking around a little bit where are the restaurant employees where are all the workers right now it's time to get back to work and I don't know, did they all jump ship? Did they go to a different industry? Where, uh, where are these folks? And I think the conversation's real. George, you spent the, the lion's share of the morning this morning working on your next uh, layer of PPP, right? There are yep. certain things that come with PPP that you have to meet to be able to qualify for those, and a lot of it has to do with employees getting back to work. I think it's a great conversation. I'd love to have it with you and James Doxon. We'll take a break, we'll come right back. The Modern Eater Show right here from Pizza Republica in Landmark. The all's well The world because spring is the reason Mm -hmm. we're doing it right now we'll be back in a flash on the modern eater show
4: hey
5: (laughs) what's going on everybody this is brother luck from lucky dumpling four by brother luck in colorado springs and i am rocking with the modern eater you're watching them you're tasting them you're knowing everything there is to know about colorado
3: (laughs) hi charlie from brews beers here our new belgian abbey four pack is a mixed package of the four core beers made in abbey and trappist breweries in belgium so we have a single a double a triple and a quadruple in one package now quadruples are the emperors of belgian monastery ales they're dark in color uh, with a dense tan head and alcohol ranging from 8 to 12 percent so they're pretty strong quadruples are very rich and complex with big maltiness uh, spice, and flavors of raisins, cherries, and plums. Alcohol is apparent in the mouthfeel, but not overwhelming, uh, even at 10.5% ABV. So the finish is long, complex, and dry, and they're great beers anytime, by themselves, or with hearty foods. Pick up your Abbey Four-Pack at either Brews location, 67th and Pencos, or at Colfax and York, and at fine liquor stores throughout the Denver metro area. Take home some Belgian style badassery today.
2: Hi, <laughs> this is for the outtake version. What's up, Denver? I am Chef Natasha Hess, and this is Chef Carrie Baird, and we are at the Ginger Pig. Check us out, gingerpig.com. You can also see us on themoderneater.com. Thanks, everybody. It's cornstarch. I know. It's cool.
0: Making education cool again, Jay. You know how? Culinary Quick Start Program. We are in love. They're using Studio Kitchen Colorado Monday through Thursday. If you have any desire to get into culinary or you're just sharpening your skills, I'm telling you, these guys, Chef Blake, Chef Marcus, they're instructing a course. And I've been there the past couple of nights, and this course is cool. It's informative, it's innovative, and it has the Modern Eater touch on it. You can tune into this as well, but you have to sign up for the course. If you go to themoderneater.com, you'll see it on the top navigation bar. It's a drop-down. Emily Griffith Culinary Quick Start. All of the stuff that we're doing and sign up information is right there for you. It's a gimme. It's free to you. It's like the cooking classes you pay for, don't pay for them anymore. You just sign up, and what is the best part of this thing? We got jobs for you. The troops are rallying, the community's getting together, and there's a baseline. So, restaurants, if you want to get involved, you're a restaurant tour. You can get involved because we need you and you to support this program with your skills. So what does that entail? This entails getting together and having a job seminar for these students. It's going to be a baseline. You need a baseline of knowledge for your students when they come in, you know they're going to be able to handle a line in a kitchen. So get involved. If you have any interest in signing up and being a student for this class, you can't get in on this three weeks, but the following three weeks you can get in on. Again, sign up, TheModernEater.com, you'll see Emily Griffith Culinary Quick Start. But we want you to join the revolution of making education cool again. Okay, back to Elevation Food Service Reps.
2: Hi, I'm Amber with Strohauer Farms. And I'm just here to remind you that the best potatoes are grown here in Colorado. Goodness elevated. Thanks for watching The Modern Eater Show.
8: First, we partner with the best farmers in the world, and then we tell them, we will take it all. Process whole spices daily, blend custom spices to order, keep it fresh, safe, and flavorful, Also, that you can get back to doing what you do best. So whether you are a restaurant, a food manufacturer, or an at-home cook, be sure to visit The Spice Guy at www.thespiceguyco.com.
6: Hey, Modern Eater fans. I'm Don Trobo with The Annex by Ardent Mills. And I just wanted to give you a heads up about some
0: of the great things we've got going on locally in the state. We're headquartered right here and we're working with farmers in the San Luis Valley to bring you amazing Colorado quinoa. It's just like the South American stuff, but grown locally. We've got transitional wheat flour that's grown by farmers in Colorado and surrounding states who are in the process of, of turning their fields into organic. So we're taking that transitional wheat and turning it into flour, and now it's available for you to cook and bake with. And last but not least, we're now cleaning grain berries in Denver. So things like spelt or wheat berries uh, or pearl barley, those are things that we're now doing right here locally and are available to you. Can't wait to share it with you.
2: <laughs> Hi, I'm Jeff Nations from Aspen Baking Company. It's really important right now to support local.
0: That's why I support The Modern Eater. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back to The Modern Eater Show. Wrapping it up right here at uh, Pizza Republica in Landmark and with my friend George Eater.
1: Greg Hollenbach.
0: I know, what a great show <laughs> so far. Thank you. James Doxson. I know, a disciple of George Eater. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, that's Just right. Just good friend at this point. Yeah, I know. And Learned everything on We actually
1: worked together yeah. at Pizza Republica yeah. back in the yeah. day. Right Now he grew up
4: and he's like... Grew the up.
1: Super main, like crazy successful chef.
4: I grew up. Yeah, I was. It was child labor back then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was 12 when yeah. he started working for us. That's
1: right. High
0: tide raise all <laughs> ships, and that's so cool. Watching supporting and then just blossoming into a very full career that you have right now at Vibe Concepts as a culinary yeah. director. Um, uh, 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 as we're ramping up into dinner service, right? Employees are everything. You gotta have folks back to work. Okay. State of the state today george tell us what you were doing this morning
1: we just finished up our all our paperwork for our second round of ppp and we're like everybody gearing up for the reopening of mm-hmm. restaurants because we see restrictions easing we see sentiment changing mm-hmm. which is the biggest thing you can see the guests are a little more comfortable with going out half of my staff is vaccinated mm-hmm. at this point yes more are getting vaccinated every week yep Same with the guests that are out there. So people's sentiment towards going out to eat Mm -hmm. and getting out of the house and exploring, it literally feels like springtime when you're in high school. And restrictions lifted. Restrictions are lifted. And when you have
0: a very, airing on the air of conservative uh, Governor Polis, who wants to make sure everybody's safe, right? Yeah. Um, coming out and openly saying, I'm hoping by All Star Week in Denver yep. that it will be a mask off endeavor. So when you open up regulations, loosen, and uh, with more guests means needing more employees. Yes. It's a very easy equation. There were two times throughout this past year where you had to furlough pretty much the lion's share of your employees. Same with you. Yep. Uh, What does that mean? Putting them on the bench. When you're on the bench, what are you going to do? The more reading that I've done, and I I read a really um, uh, poignant piece from Eater uh, today, actually, of where are all of the restaurant workers? So when you furlough an employee, PPP, Payroll Protection Program, that is a government-funded program aiming towards bringing your employees back to work. When you go for PPP, what's the first thing you do? You offer your employees work, right? Exactly. Okay, so at that point in time, they have the opportunity to say yay or nay. Correct? Yep. Okay, so there's one mindset that says employees are just sitting on the bench collecting unemployment for a myriad of reasons. It could be, I don't feel safe to go back to work. It could be, uh, there's another opportunity that I'm waiting for. There could be a lot of reasons why, but when you offer them a position back, that's a job that has to be reported to the unemployment division Correct. that says that uh, they were offered a job, if they're still collecting unemployment, it's not because of a, a lack of, a, of an opportunity.
1: Yeah, and like the first go around at PPP, everybody was in the same boat, right? We offered it back, we paid out the PPP monies, Took care of our staff, but that only lasted for like twelve weeks. We've all been closed for sixty weeks. Yes. Okay. I'm glad I could get enough money to help them for the twelve, but they had to live for an entire year of, of through a COVID shutdown, whether it be supplemental unemployment or that. So you got to realize, restaurant employees can't wait forever to get their job back. Yes. They still have to feed their families, pay rent. Four roommates living together, still got to scrape together enough coin to take care of things. Yeah. Now that we're starting to come out of that, there's a $300 a week bump in unemployment. Turbo unemployment. So we got some turbo unemployment. It's not as turbo-y as it was before, yep. but it's still turboed. Turbo enough. Okay, where they can get that supplemental, at least they can pay some rent or something with that. And, you know, I think a lot of people that were in the restaurant business, it was not an easy year, right? Some people just left out of either clear frustration or, hey, let's try a new career path to see if we like this better than the restaurant See what's there, okay. See what's there, right? Let's go work for Amazon or Tesla, okay? Because, you know, hey, Amazon's always hiring and then they're always growing, so is Tesla. Let's go work in an Amazon warehouse and see if I like that better than- Or let's
0: be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Let's try my own side hustle. Let's try my own gig. It was kind of the year of taking chances. I, so when rest- I
1: should have been a professional Twitch video game streamer. <laughs> <laughs> Would you have been good at that?
0: Somehow no, I don't know.
1: I'm terrible at yeah, it. but.
0: Maybe day trading, but yeah, not. That. Maybe day trading. Maybe day trading. So um, here's where the rubber hits the road. It's time to get back to work, right? People are making decisions. Turbo unemployment, I think, goes through the lion's share of the summer. Mm-hmm. It's only going to last so long, but there has to be an accountability factor. First of all, we talk about service industry, a lot of friends and family, right? I mean, there's a lot of lifers Mm -hmm. within the business. But then there are a lot of transient workers through the restaurant industry. Water finds its own level in a lot of circumstances in life, whether it be relationships or jobs. You throw that water out there, it tries to find where the path of least resistance is. The path of least resistance with a lot of restaurant workers, servers, Back of the house is that maybe they're trying to find the best job that they can possibly land. You had a great notion of the reset button for hospitality and service industry to where you think it's going to go back to the youth and the youngsters because the 10-year, the 20-year restaurant employees, maybe onto other things, are looking to the cream of the crop of that job. Go to that mindset that you well, have.
1: Historically, the restaurant business has always been the kicking off point for somebody's career i know when i started working it was at my uncle's pizza place making pizzas it's an easy transition easy to get into and people are very willing to train you know when you get to you know chef at james level yes it's still fun to go out and cook but what's more fun is to teach somebody else how to cook Mm -hmm. and to show them around the ropes of the kitchen or how to make a cocktail or the steps of the steps of service, and you can watch little light bulbs go on and off in people's heads. And the f- real fun thing of the business, you can have some very seasoned service staff and seasoned bartenders, and they're to the point where they want to start teaching somebody else. You got to bring in the the younger crowd and the rookies, and invest that time and watch those light bulbs go off. You create new passions and new energies mm-hmm. with that younger younger crowd because. The people that were in this business last year and that were there for five or ten years it was a tough year for everybody they may be out of that completely some may be in real estate some may be growing weed some might be growing mushrooms mm-hmm. some might be doing video game streaming
0: are we right? just, are we seeing that the <laughs> appeal or the 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 lore or the shine is wearing off the apple of working within the industry because the industry just isn't viable right now because the money's not to be made with tip pooling, nuances, minimum wage, so many, lack of benefits,
4: lack of healthcare. Are we seeing a a correction that's happening right now, Chef? Uh, I don't know, you know, a lot of what I've seen in social media and a lot of people's posts and a lot of people's discussions that I've been hearing around lately is, yeah, a lot of industry people, whether it's line cooks or servers, um, are upset or disappointed by the wage uh, that they are that they were making. And I don't know if that's in relation to mm-hmm. how much money they're making on unemployment and now they're spoiled um, and have, have seen that. Um, I don't want to be negative about that. Uh, we also had the wage increase, of course, minimum wage mm-hmm. uh, increase, which for tipped employees is amazingly high Mm -hmm. uh, now, and they're making very good wages. um, And we're definitely trying to be more competitive uh, with those hourly wages and on the cook side, non-tipped employees as well. Now, so I I don't know. Um, I I think they, a lot of people got a bad taste in their mouth um, is what I'm seeing. And I'm seeing a lot should, of... Use you when you need me. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Or me
0: twice. Yeah, exactly. Where's the loyalty? Yeah. Why couldn't you stick with me? Right. Well, let's go to that question then. Okay. We talk about, uh, now you've, you've got to romance me again. I, and you're in a small margin business. I mean, uh, making 7 8% off the bottom line as far as revenue goes, that's like unheard of. I mean, that's, that's a dream. The margins are very small. What's the incentive, George? How are we going to get folks back to work? And how are they going to fall in love with the business again and making it function Everyday way of life to where it's not just a transient job, but it's a profession.
1: Well, I think one we all do this because we love it, and you got to reinstill that passion. And you know, for the first time, and I can't tell you how long, almost a year, we had a group food tasting with my servers. We're going to start back to wine tastings and beverage tastings, almost like what we what we did here today, because it's starting to get to that safety point where you can where you can do that. And as you grow that passion, you're gonna grow people. And I think industry-wide, we all need to take a hard look at the discrepancy between what the front of the house tipped employees make versus what the back of the house employee make and narrow that wage gap, which a lot of that is coming from the tip pooling area where rather than your your kitchen guy making 15, 16, 17, 18 an hour, which I don't, you know, minimum wage, I don't care if they make it 17, you can't, you can't you be- can't hire a dishwasher for less than if for minimum, where minimum wages yeah. now, nobody will work for that. Here's where it gets sticky,
0: no. <laughs> no. because this is this is the quickening, this is the okay. the evening of balance again. But a lot of these professionals that came in, they could make a few hundred bucks a night. It, they were selling themselves, they were selling their stories, they were selling their connectivity. If you're a great bartender, mm-hmm. it shows. And it's like, why shouldn't I make all that money because I commanded this bar tonight? Why am I gonna pay out this guy? Why am I gonna pay out this lady? How, how is this gonna all make sense for me? Is it gonna become a day now to where hospitality is welcome to Jiffy Lube. May I take your order? How do you want your steak done?
1: No, I still think you want that personal connection. And yes, there are some very talented servers and very talented bartenders. But you got to remember those talented servers and bartenders can't do with what they do without a talented busser.
0: But why wouldn't I go to real without estate? a
1: talented host without it? If you want to go to real estate, go to real estate. Where's your passion? I,
0: I interrupted your train of thought because I think it's really good. You're saying that it takes a team to be able to make you highlight,
1: yes. To be successful, so why not take a team mentality to how the tips break down.
0: Great point. Let's take a look around right now. 100%. Jay, grab a, a wandering camera because I want to show, here's a Friday before dinner service, and look behind you, George. This is your team that's at work now. This is training yep. at, its, at, its, at its finest. This is the quiet before the storm, and you don't Set train right now, they're ready to go. What does it take to build a team right now, post COVID?
1: Dedication is what it takes to do it. You just have to, you gotta realize that everybody's an individual and you've gotta keep approaching it like that. We're all in this together. And it, you know, we're not gonna open up our seating until we're ready to open up our seating for us. Yeah. Regardless of what Polis says, it's, is my staff comfortable and do they feel safe? Mm-hmm. So if I've got, you know, one person doesn't wanna give it a vaccine and 99 who do, until those 99 are comfortable and fully Mm -hmm. vaccinated we're going to keep a distancing the way it is.
0: I guarantee you know each and every one of these individuals, first names, last names, probably their mother, probably if they have any kids, what part of town they live in, what their happiness is drawn from, what their hobbies are, same with you, Chef. It's, it's a matter of building a team that's a family. And that's really the appeal to why people want to come back to the service industry. They call it misfit toy land, man. And I, I, mean, I wouldn't really necessarily disagree with that. But I also am very sensitive to the issue because these are a lot of my friends. And when you have friends that you see are suffering and reluctant to come back to the industry that they once loved because it pinched them, it squeezed them out of the business, how do we open that back up? I'd love to hear from each one of you. We'll start with you, George. What's the pitch to people to say, come back to work? I mean, think about it. Half of the restaurants are around, that were before, and half of the employees of half of those restaurants are gone they're gone. There should be an influx of employees with the amount of restaurants that are left. Where are the employees? That's the conversation we're having, George Eater.
1: They've transitioned to other industries. You know, you, survivability... Grab
0: this slide. Talk to people.
1: Survivability is everything. And people are born survivors. If you lose your job, you're going to go out and find another one. You've got to figure out how to pay that bill. And if I can't fulfill that need in the restaurant business for you to be able to pay your bills and... Jeff Bezos did with Amazon, or you went to trimming weed, or you went into real estate, and a great DJ friend of mine couldn't DJ, couldn't do weddings all this past year. You know what he did? He got his real estate license. He's selling houses. He's figuring out a way to make it work. Okay.
0: But God bless you. You got jobs, though, George. You have jobs. You have people that you want to come see. You want to put people to work.
1: What's the incentive to come work for George Eater? Because it's right now, it's family, OK? And everybody asks me if I have kids. And I, I'll give them the same answer. <laughs> they're all here. <laughs> I have two wives, which are both restaurants. And when they're both up and running, I've got about 100 kids, OK? Right now, 37 kids, OK? So i got one wife and 37 kids now. The other wife is sleeping, and we're about <laughs> to wake up all the kids right. at the downtown location, <laughs> yeah. OK? I love that and uh, and that's it because i have you know my same daytime expo has been the same guy since the first day we opened yeah and that coming in may is 12 years ago so rafa's been there the entire time he's still there
4: got <laughs> the <same towards> James. <laughs> yeah rafa oh my god yeah I'm, yeah and
1: he's and he's still there and we try and just treat everybody fairly and yes we're going to have to address this wage discrepancy yeah. and figure out how to make that work and i think we, we've got a pretty good plan downtown that lets the kitchen make a little bit more, the bussers make a little bit more, and the service staff make more consistently because throughout this, you know, you hear a lot of gruff about tip pooling and that kind of stuff, or tip share, and then leveling out those wages. It was inevitable. Yeah, level out those wages, but it was inevitable, and I think the service staff and the bartender staff felt it most through COVID because they're not reporting all those tips and wages, so their unemployment checks are next to nothing, okay? Where in the kitchen, yes, you're making 17, 18 bucks an hour, you've got a consistent wage when you went to get your unemployment, with the boost you were doing pretty good, right? So there's a definite catch 22, if this ever happens again, hey, you might wanna be in a situation where everything's showing up on a check, Rather than taking it home or you know taking it across the street to spend it on a shot of Jameson and a beer. Totally. Right. Okay. Yeah.
4: So we've seen some of that too, and and uh, James Doxon, Vibe Concepts. Yeah. And we we've seen some of that too, and and we definitely have gotten a lot of front of the house employees back, but the kitchen is really hard to staff right now. Interesting. Um, because they're making such good money on unemployment, possibly, because yep. they moved to a different industry, possibly. Um, you know, who knows? Uh, and and the big thing there, I think you touched on, is family, right? Mm-hmm. It is such a family. It's, I mean, Vibe Concepts, we're all about the vibe. You have to have that good vibe between you and your staff, mm-hmm. between you and your guests, between you and your community. And uh, that family vibe isn't, it's always going to be there with us. You know, it's always going to be there at, at restaurants that care, uh, like pizza Republica and, and vibe concepts. And the biggest, the biggest point that I want to make is, is all of these employees that don't want to come back maybe because they were hurt, um, by the industry or, or, you know, soured, they're just, Just yeah, they have a bad taste in their mouth. You know what? That's fine. If you wanna find another, uh, nobody's gonna stop you from bettering yourself. Nobody's gonna stop you from from finding that next, that next real estate job or or figuring things out on your own. Good for you, good for you. But at the end of the day, you're not gonna get that family vibe from any other industry than ours. You're not going to get that family vibe. So you're you're going to come back, I'm not worried about it. Um, Well, I mean, it it may start at the beginning again with the youngster. Right, right? exactly, we're going to get it back one way or another, but it's it's because of that family and that vibe. It's the evening right now, and truly, um, whether it's
0: uh, just because more guests or uh, supplemental government, uh, infusion of cash yeah. through and, PPP, and
1: right now it's tough to get people to come in and apply mm-hmm. because that big PPP stimulus check just hit. Right? Mm-hmm. People are only a few weeks out. If you look at your bank account and it's full, you're like, "Yeah, let's go on vacation. Yep. Let's buy a big
3: screen yeah. TV. Let's string let's it get out. New tires let's for the string car. It out. Sure. Yeah,
1: let's you know, let's do this." And I got a lot of a lot of friends in the business that hey, they got some pretty good sized checks they're gonna you know, go out, get a vacation, get this, and then I'll come back to it after I need the money.
0: Yeah, last point from me though, and I'm gonna direct this to you, Georgia, because I think this is right up your alley. Here's the time now. The time now to where you have positions and you're looking through growth within your organization for folks, tell people now's the time to get back to work. If you want to show operators that you're not dragging your heels, that you're ready to get back to work, that the opportunities are there, Talk to people and tell them to get back to work.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you love the restaurant business and you made a career of it and it's your life choice, this is a great time to get back in. This reopening, I, for the first time in a year, I see light at the end of the tunnel of this is starting to need ease. I was scared to death in November and December. On that second shutdown, took the wind out of my sails. Now, I can actually see that we're, easing back towards a state of normalcy. Mm -hmm. And I think once we get there, it's not gonna ever go back to where it went to before.
0: The longer you wait, the slimmer the picks and the, the pickins will be, right? So when, when you engage yourself right now, and that's exactly what you guys are looking for, you're looking for those yeah. people to say, I'm gonna take the incentives, I'm gonna get there, because right now, a lot of the sentiment that I've been reading and with my ear to the ground is a lot of these folks are taking chances and they're saying, you know what, maybe there's a different steakhouse across town that I can be in a better position that with my being comfortable at, say, Joe's Eggs House, uh, then I'm going to take that chance. I'm going to go for that bigger and better job. And the opportunities are there right now, but you got to get back into them immediately.
1: Yeah, you got to. I jump on it now. I think if you wait until June, July, those jobs are full. Yep.
0: There's so. a shuffling of the deck 100%. that's oh, happening yeah. 100%. right now. Yep. Shuffle the deck. Where do you land? I'll tell you what, the Modern Eater Show, these are the discussions that we want. Uh, This afternoon's been a fantastic thing of delicious fare. We ate some of the best foods, the seasonal menu that came out. Things are changing right now, and to get back to normal, if you want to be in this business, I don't think there's any better time to get into the business or to rejoin the business than right now. It's opportunity to plenty, and everybody's Bottom. on the same playing field right now. Uh, James Doxon, thanks for spending the afternoon with us. Uh, so appreciated, yeah, it, thank it, you so much. It's always great to catch up with great minds, and George Eater, none better thanks than for, you, Thanks for friend. joining us. Um, you've, t- you've taught us, uh, uh, really, community, great great staff. George Eater, he's the one. He always puts his hand up. How can I help out the community? It really shows. We've been through a lot together. We're going to continue to be through more. But if you want a great experience, you're going to want to come to Landmark Pizza Republica. There'll be more things to come for you downtown at the Downtown Pizza Republica. But I'll tell you what, from Jay Parker and myself, Greg Hollenbach, we thank you so much for joining us today. We learned about this great company, Farm Box Foods, and also talked to the grape juice group and uh really enjoy catching up he's with my Danny favorite Keefe. he's a great storyteller he'll be on the show some more uh, your staff here is fantastic and one thing that you did so well is hang on to those key people we did they've been here uh, and and it's a testament to you george thank you so much thank you okay we're gonna wrap it up right here it's time for dinner service this is what we train for boys Love it. Dinner Time service on Friday night <laughs> in the Mile High City. That's it. It's the reason for the season. Springtime, things are loosening back up. Support local, whatever you do, and get out to your local restaurant and have fun. Eat and tell the stories of your local community. The Modern Eater Show will continue.